Well, first of all, to actually be on social media looking for money is against the law. So you have to be very careful of how it's done. And we we have had, we have known many investors. And when we see them advertising on social media, we say, guys, you could get into trouble for doing this. Don't do it. Some people don't care. But guess what? At some point, something is going to, somebody's going to get bitten and it's going to, it's going to be hard on them. That's all I can say. Because when you do things outside of the law, at some point, terrible things can happen to good people, right? So we don't advocate to advertise at all, period. Now, there's no reason why you can't educate. That's the key thing. That's the key thing. You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008. Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate investors, we have Denise and Stuart on our show today. We have known uh, Denise and Stuart for close to about 10 years now, and they definitely have a unique and unconventional real estate journey. Uh, they are proof that you don't have to start real estate investing at a certain age or a certain phase in your life, as they actually started after they retired from their government careers. Yeah, and uh, you know Denise and Stuart are well-versed in so many different real estate strategies. And they focus their current attention on development opportunities, along with turning income properties into their highest and best use through redevelopment. They are also one of the few investors we personally know who have expertise in the use of uh, registered funds, so RRSPs, uh, TFSAs, and other registered funds in creating innovative funding strategies through private lending. Denise and Stewart are so lively, they're knowledgeable, and they're so much fun to chat with. Uh, so if you haven't met them, definitely going to be a fun interview. Here's Denise and Stuart. Hey, good morning, Denise and Stuart. Uh, we're so happy to have you on the show this morning. I'm just going to get into it. Tell us about how you got into real estate investing. Oh my, we've got a little story behind that. Got into it by accident. Well, not really. <laughs> No, Denise and I uh, met in the early 1990s after we had each gone through a divorce. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we discovered was just how difficult divorce is on your finances. Do do the words totally wrecked mean anything to you? (laughs) So basically what happened was we were both working for the government at the time. We had good jobs, good salaries, but our savings were shot. And we knew that if we wanted to have a lifestyle that we were really aspiring to, we had to do something different than just a day job. So we started looking around. We tried various uh, options. Uh, We actually went to a uh, franchise seminar here in Ottawa at one point. And there was some real estate guru from the States that was selling his program. But it was all kinds of businesses at the time, right, that they were presenting. It was a forum. So, And we thought, well, maybe we should try real estate. And so we bought the program. And luckily, here in Ontario, there's a 10-day cooling off period. And in that 10-day cooling off period, Denise and I looked at each other and we thought, we're working 70 to 80 hours a week in our day jobs. When are we going to have time to do this extra work? So we got a refund on that. And uh, we kept working our day jobs, looking around. And then in 2008, Denise had a health challenge that took her off work for over a year. Mm -hmm. And when she went back to work, she came home at supper time and said, I don't want to do this anymore. I said, good, quit. Because the one thing that we had been able to do during that year that she was off is we tried living just off Stuart's salary to see if we could. And it was easy to do. I mean, we had good salaries, but as a lot of people do is you tend to spend it. And we were not big savers. And we thought, what are we doing? Like, we've got a future here together. So, yeah. So we banked my salary. 
Period. So essentially what happened was that Denise sat down and figured out what leftover holiday she had, calculated it out, and uh, decided that uh, January the 29th, 2010 was going to be her last day working for the federal government. So I retired there and uh, we had um, decided at this point to get into real estate. So we had started educating ourselves first because like anything else, we had got caught in the um, stocks in the, uh, (laughs) let's just say, you know, you get into the hype of things and we got caught in the hype of stocks too. And we had bought into a lot of the tech stocks and everything, you know, what happened there. And we lost everything. I shouldn't say everything because we had one stock that was a $10,000 stock. And at the end, we got $18.34. That was it from that $10,000 stock. That, the rest were zero. That's not profit. That's yeah, that, what we got back. Yes. That's the return. <laughs> so we decided when to get into real estate, I said, you know what? We are not going to do anything unless we educate ourselves because we had not educated ourselves enough in stocks. So that's why we prepared ourselves. We took real estate courses so that the day that I retired, we'd be able to get out of the gate and start. And that's how we started, basically, is just trying to find a better future because when we got together, we started with zero. So one of the things that happened in those days when you left the federal government, uh, if you were full-time employment, you were entitled to a severance pay. And Denise was was told by our human resources people what severance pay she'd be entitled to. And we took a look at that and we said, you know, the last thing we want to do is put it in RSPs and lose more money in mutual funds. So let's take it in cash. Because remember, we, now we're, we're already called for a lot of people, we're called seniors, right? So we're not your little 20, 30-year-old just starting into real estate. We started late. At retirement is when we started real estate. And what had happened is we lost a lot of our retirement savings in the 2008 uh Financial crisis crisis there in the dot-com bust. We lost a lot of money there. And besides the fact that we had gone through a divorce and that created havoc in our finances, we knew we had to do something different. So again, educating ourselves so that we would know how to do it right. Because for people who don't get educated in real estate and start, guess what? The chances of them succeeding is probably a lot lower. And we have heard so many people who've lost a lot because they really don't understand what it is. It's not a hard business, but it's hard enough, right? And it's like anything else. It, it weeds out the people. If they don't have the education, real estate is hard. However, you need to get past that. Once you're out of your comfort zone and you can get past that, you will have some success. But a lot of people don't know how to handle that. So we had to learn. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah, we had to learn, basically, so that we were doing it right when we started. And that's what I think why more people don't get into real estate is because they're they're afraid on how to get started. It's not as easy as go buy a stock or a mutual fund, right? It, it requires a little bit more strategy, more direction, more education for you to jump into it. Of course, you can go and buy something, but you're going to make a ton of mistakes, potentially lose money. And I mean, the other thing is that Generally, when people invest in mutual funds or the stock market, what they're doing is they're hiring somebody else to manage their money. And there's a fee for that. There's a cost for that, which is why unless you're doing really well choosing the right stocks or have a really good advisor, you're not going to get the kind of returns that you would hope for. Like in mutual funds, you're paying a very expensive fee in order to have somebody manage that mutual fund. And you'll get average returns. Whereas when it comes to real estate, most successful investors are hands-on. And that's why they get better returns in their real estate. Not to say you can't be a passive investor in real estate. That's available as well. And I mean, that's one of the things that, that we end up doing. As I was saying, we ended up with Denise's severance pay deciding after we learned what the income tax hit was going to be on taking cash. We thought, all right, let's put it into RSPs, but we'll not invest it in mutual funds. And that's when we learned that you can invest your RSPs in the real estate, in mortgages. And that goes for all registered funds, actually, not just RSPs, but Liras and TFSAs and RIFs, all of those registered funds. It is very much a CRA approved method of using those funds to be able to get a higher return for your retirement. So When we left government and I had my severance pay, and because we were learning about real estate, 
I literally overheard say, somebody say RSP mortgage. Can't even tell you who. Nobody else heard it, but I did. But it was enough to just tweak my interest that I started doing the research on it. So when I got that severance pay, I literally went to a table of real estate investors and say, hey, I've got this many thousands of dollars for an RSP mortgage. Is anybody interested? And everybody said, pick me, pick me, pick me. And I thought, wow, maybe there's something to this. And and I did. I loaned it out to someone. And at the time, it was on a three-year rent to own is what I had loaned my RSP on. And I found a lawyer who it was her first time actually doing an RSP mortgage. So we learned together. And the funny part is we learned how to do an RSP mortgage before we ever even bought our very first property. But the, what we quickly learned is in this instance, I was being a lender, but I thought those are all borrowers. Maybe we can become borrowers. And that literally changed the course of real estate for us is understanding how to do those private mortgages and being able to do those private mortgages from the borrowing and lending side. So from a lending side, we are growing our retirement income because we still had, we didn't lose everything from our RSPs, which now we also have TFSAs. When we started, TFSA program was not in place, but we loan ours to other real estate investors and they use that to be able to grow their portfolio, but we do the same. We borrow in order to grow our real estate portfolio. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And yeah, I, I, you know, when I first met you guys and we started talking about this, you guys were the only ones I'd ever heard as well who were talking about raising funds this way. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because raising funds seems to be one of the biggest issues for a lot of investors. It, it is the blockade, right? Because when we all start out, uh, you know, maybe you can borrow from somebody, you know, or you have some savings to buy your first property or your second property, but ultimately, you know, real estate's expensive. It's an expensive investment and access to funds seems to be one of the biggest hurdles for a lot of people. So I hear you guys started in 2010 when you left your 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 corporate job and now we're 12 years later. Let's let's go forward in time now to present. Talk to us a little bit about what your portfolio looks like right now. Like what is it we can go back into the, how you guys raise funds for them. I'm I'm really interested in that, but maybe we can we can maybe try to walk through like one particular property or something that you're doing, but maybe give us like an overview of what are you guys what are you guys doing right now? What's your portfolio like and and what kind of stuff are you up to? Well because we've been at this now for a little over 12 years, for us, it's been a, a growth where we started with your regular buy, rent, and hold. But we've done so many strategies over the years. And, and only because we're lifelong learners. So we like to learn a strategy. We like to put it into play and learn it well and do it before we add another strategy. So over the 12 years, we've had much success in doing all these strategies, be it buy, rent, and hold, be it what we call the, uh, like some flips. We've done rent to owns. We've done the burrs, which is the, the uh, buy, renovate, rent, buy, yeah. renovate, refinance, or rent and refinance. There we go. Um, so we've done a lot of these strategies, right? We've done wholesaling. And, but like I said, you learn it, you apply it. You just don't do it once and just kind of jump and go all over the place. So remember, this is spread over 12 years. But with the growth comes different strategies. So we got into now adding secondary dwelling units into uh, buildings, which was great. But then you get to a point, you go, okay, look at where the market is going. Look at you know all the opportunities that, that are out there. But now we're at the point where we're actually into development. And that is a very oh, fun thing for us to do. But it's again, it's been a learning experience. Like everything is a learning experience. Everything is, which is great. So now that's what we're doing is we're buying properties, may have an existing building on it. A lot of our properties do is that we were able to rent them out temporarily while we work through the full process of what we need to do before we're able to knock it down and build. So, I mean, most, most cities in Ontario these days are dealing with housing issues. They don't have sufficient mm -hmm. housing. The other thing is that it's very expensive for a city to run city services farther out into the country. So because of that, cities are actually encouraging infill and further development. 
And so what we're doing is we're using that. We, we take a look at, at properties and we make sure that we could take them to their highest and best use. Now, what that means is, for example, uh, there's a property that we've bought not far from our house, which was a single family dwelling. Someone else had already converted it to an up-down. It, it's, a, it's a bungalow. And they had converted it to an up-down uh, unit with a secondary dwelling unit. But it's sitting on an extremely large lot. Uh, this is a lot that is uh, 110 feet deep and 200 feet wide. Now, a standard, a standard city lot in this part of town is about 35 feet wide. And we realized that on this particular property, we could subdivide and uh, sever into three separate lots and then build side-by-side -side duplexes on that property. So we started, the, we started the work on the severance last year. On the day that we were going to the Committee of Adjustment to have the severance heard, we discovered that one of the conditions that the city was going to impose on us was that we had to immediately demolish the bungalow. We didn't want because to do that it was going right to cross away. one of the severance lines. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have tenants in there. And those of you that are familiar with uh, Ontario tenancies say you can't kick the tenant out tomorrow. You've got to give them significant notice. So we very quickly amended our adjustment so that we only severed off part of the lot. And we're now moving forward in order to get that approved so that we can start building this spring. Yeah, we're at the last last stage now. It's just whatever's left to do with the uh, with the lawyer. And that severance is done, and we've already started the process to be able to split the, the two-thirds of the lot where the bungalow is and spans those two lots. And um, we've already given notice to the tenants that by summer, and again, because they have school children, we're allowing them, you know, till the end of the school year and everything else, because that is the plan was to demolish uh, that. And it's going to be three separate semi-detached buildings with secondary dwelling units. But the secondary dwelling units are going to be on top. Now, the one thing that we have learned is that banks and traditional finance companies mm -hmm. are reluctant to loan on that sort of a development property. And if they will loan on it, their loan to value is relatively low. So that's why we like our strategy of using a private mortgage. And we actually bought that property using a private mortgage. And our access to funds was registered funds because we know a significant number of people who are not happy with the returns they're getting on their mutual on their register their RSPs and their TFSAs and they would rather have their money invested with us with a solid return rather than getting the pittance that they're getting out of mutual funds so basically what we would do is we would use people's RSPs and borrow that as a mortgage against this property in order to take us right up to the point where we're ready to start construction and then it's our intent to negotiate a construction loan in order to go forward. We'll buy out the, the private mortgage with the construction loan mm -hmm. and, and use the construction loan to proceed forward. Right. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And that's what we've done with our properties actually since day one. I wanted to you know, ask, uh, uh, maybe you can share with our listeners that this is a truly passive investment strategy for somebody that wants to invest their RSP money with, with uh, someone like you guys. And, you know, maybe tell our listeners what kind of rates they would be getting with the... Uh... Well, rates is very subjective. And the thing is, is that I remember speaking to, uh, this is a few years ago, we were helping an investor and he had some friends that he says, I want to explain to them what it is they can do. He says, Denise, would you come and help me? And I said, yes, I would. So I went and spoke to, I think he had about five friends together. And and I asked them, I said, are you happy with the returns you're getting now? And they said, no. And I said, what do you think would be a good return? And it was amazing that the highest return that somebody gave was 4%. And I'm going, wow, what are they getting into their registered funds? Well, I can give you a prime example is that I know this is kind of an odd story, but I was at an event, it wasn't even a real estate event. I was at an event at a hotel. This is just a few years ago. And the woman next to me in the washroom, washing her hands while I'm washing my hands, turns around and says, I just got my statement from my, uh, from my uh, RSP. And she says, I think I did 5%. Is that good? I'm a total stranger here. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like at the grocery store, you know, when you make a comment next to somebody who's squeezing the fruit or whatever. So, and I said, 
well, there was an odd question, but my first question was, was that you that did 5% or was that the fund? She says, what's the difference? I said, well, the difference is either the fund did 5% and you got very little or you did 5% and the fund did more. She says, well, I don't know. I just gave her my number. I said, listen, I'm not going to do it here. And we were in different events. We weren't even at the same event. And I said, here's my number. Give me a call tomorrow if you want to have a chat. And I'll just explain a little bit more. She says, okay. She called me the next day and I asked her, do you have your statement with you? She said, yes. And she had put $60,000 in an RSP the year before. And here we are a year later. She had just gotten her statement. And I said, do you have a calculator with you? She said, yes. I said, okay, punch in 60,000 times 5%. What does it give you? And she looked at it. And she was quiet. I said, what does it say? She says, 3,000. I said, what does your statement say? She was quiet. And I had to ask again, because I knew what the answer was going to be. Not the exact number, but I knew why she was hesitant. She says, 60,200. So where she thought she had done 5%, when you calculate it, she did 0.033% on her mutual funds. So when people realize that they're really not making what they thought they were making, it makes them more open to understand that there are different options. And this is where people don't necessarily understand that it's still a Canada Revenue Agency, a CRA approved method of those registered funds. So imagine when you can explain to somebody that they don't need to have that less than 1% in their account but they can look at maybe six, seven, eight percent and more, depending on the type of project that they can make that. And people go, oh, my gosh, are you sure? Is that legal? Yes, it is. And we always go back to the law. We can actually show them in the law, in the regulations that, yes, it's very much an approved method of doing this. But again, you want somebody that will help you that understands it and works it. And this is what we've been doing for over 12 years. That's why we've built an expertise using these registered funds, right? Because that's what we've been using and helping people with. But I mean, one of the questions that we get asked sometimes is, as a borrower, why would I want to pay that higher rate of interest mm-hmm. rather than going to a bank or a financial institution? And the response to that that I always give is one of our early mentors always told us, that it's not the cost of money that's important, it's the availability of money. When you're putting together a deal, if the deal is good enough, there'll be enough money in that deal to pay the higher rate that you're going to pay on the interest. The question is, is this money going to be available? And if you go to a bank or a financial institution to get funding for some of these development or to buy a house that you plan to fix and flip, the, the financial institutions are really reluctant to finance those. And if they do finance them, they'll probably finance them at, you know, 65, maybe 70% loan to value maximum, which means you have to have a lot of cash in the deal right up front. Whereas we have developed a process where you're talking with ordinary individuals who are desperate to find good returns for their registered funds. They're willing to loan on a mortgage up to the maximum amount allowed by the trustee. And so that, that could be, you know, 85, 90, sometimes even 100% loan to value if the deal is right. And paying six, seven, eight, even 9% for that money is still a good deal for the borrower. Now we're talking here a first mortgage here when we're, you know, looking at, at, those, uh, at those rates. But the thing is, is that the only time it really makes sense to be able to borrow money on a first mortgage is knowing that when you buy the property, you're already buying where you know that you're going to increase the value. If you're not going to be increasing that value, it makes no sense to borrow that money to buy a property because how are you going to pay it back? The idea is is you want to borrow money so that you can do the work you want to do on that property and then pay everybody back with the interest You know, with the terms that you basically set on time, mind you, right now with what's happening in 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 the industry, everything is taking a little longer. So we build extra time in our mortgages, but it's important to pay it back. You need to take care of those lenders 
Absolutely. You must, because that is their life savings. And that's the first and foremost thing is making sure that that money gets returned. And the only way you can really do that is you have to increase the value of that property so that you're over and above. So you can pay the higher fees, because remember, now we're talking short term. So by borrowing the money, it allows you to, you know, work with the architects and the planners and the surveyors and and uh, getting the permits. It allows you to do that stretch of work that needs to be done before you even have shovel in the ground. And then with the construction financing, then it pays everybody out or depending on what type of project is when you refinance the property or you sell it. So there's different ways to do it. But right now we're doing development, so we're not selling the properties. But there's the money is there to repay everybody. And no one should invest without knowing what they're investing in. And that's where we're very strong in making sure that people understand what an investor package is. Because we've heard too many cases of people saying, oh, yeah, I trust them. I'm going to loan them money. And I said, what did you invest in? They said, well, I'm not sure. Well, I didn't get my money back. How do I get it back? And I go, oh, well, hold it here. What did you do? Because remember, this is a process that you work with a trustee if you're dealing with registered funds, but there's also lawyers involved. You can't do this on your own. You must, must, must have lawyers. So the idea is, is people sometimes are not, they don't know what they don't know, right? So for us, it's important that people understand the process and they understand what they're investing in and you're able to prove to them how they're going to get that money back. They need to be savvy. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Savvy they need to be savvy real estate investors. Exactly. <laughs> so this is such a brilliant strategy. Uh, and, you know, I this is something definitely that uh, we need to look into. We We do use private funds, but we never use registered funds. Yeah. So, and, and you know what? I think a lot of investors are don't know about this. Uh, they don't. Or they just don't, they don't know what the barrier to entry is and how to sort of structure it. Like when you're borrowing private funds from somebody within your network, it's, it's a little bit easier. Um, this obviously requires some, a deeper understanding of uh, how to structure it and having a lawyer and, I mean, you know, making sure that everything is CRA, is compliant. CRA compliant. Exactly. Um, so. Yeah, if you guys don't mind me asking, I guess a a question that investors often want to know is, um, you know, where do you find your your these people? And you know, it's interesting because now everyone's always talking about social media. Like, let's use social media to raise funds. Let's tweet and and Instagram every day. Let's do this. Let's oh, we got to build our brand. And um, you know, I'll be honest, I'm not I'm not the I don't like putting details on Instagram every minute and do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not my thing either. And and you guys are amazing because you're not, you know, I, I've never seen you promoting what you're doing to that extent or putting out deals and raising funds. So what's your secret? Like, where, where do you where do you build your database? Well, first of all, to actually be on social media looking for money is against the law. So you have to be very careful of how it's done. And we we have had we have known many investors. And when we see them advertising on social media, we say, guys. You could get into trouble for doing this. Don't do it. Some people don't care. But guess what? At some point, something is going to, somebody's going to get bitten and it's going to, it's going to be hard on them. That's all I can say. Because when you do things outside of the law, at some point, terrible things can happen to good people, right? So we don't advocate to advertise at all, period. No. There's no reason why you can't educate. That's the key thing. That's the key thing. You can educate, but you don't advertise. Big, big difference. And I mean, one of the things that Denise is very good at when it comes to Facebook and Instagram is making posts about what we do. As she calls it, this is our social proof that we are active real estate investors. But we don't use social media to ask for money. And we build relationships. And like we've known each other probably at least maybe 10 years, something like that. And for us, it's it's all about networking. It's about building relationships. That is such a big key to this because you get to know people, you get to learn about each other, you get to trust each other, have confidence in each other. And I can tell you, it's not something that happens overnight. 
So when people start now and they expect that they're going to be able to borrow all this money and get all these properties done right away. No, we've been at it since day one of real estate is building those relationships, even to the point that we do networking events. We do um, all kinds of sessions. We've been doing that to help other real estate investors. That's part of our passion is being able to help others. So we've been doing that. And we also follow the rules because, again, you've, you've got to make sure that you stay within the CRA rules, that you stay under the uh, Securities Commission rules, and also the Mortgage Brokers Act. Because you're talking about mortgages here, and if we're not licensed um, agents here, we're not like we have been mortgage brokers before, but we're not licensed now. So the thing is, you can't go out there and advertise rates. So we don't. Because again, it's important to stay within the law. The law. So with the Securities Commission, there are rules against, or uh, not against, but there are rules as to how you can approach people. And again, those rules have to be people that you know. They're your friends. It can be family, friends, business associates, but again, follow the rules. Build that relationship with people. And just to clarify something that Denise just mentioned, we are not licensed mortgage agents, which is why any mortgage that we participate in, we are either one of the lenders or one of the borrowers. We do not put other people together because that would be brokering without a license. Right. Right. So it's very important. So we, we do our own. Right. Right. So we're either lenders or borrowers. I wanted to ask you a question about, okay, so let's say, you know, I'm just giving out a hypothetical numbers here that you're looking for a, a $500,000 loan. Um, are you trying to source that with one person? I That would be more ideal, obviously, but, you know, uh, may not find too many people with 500,000 RSP. Uh, so are you looking for, like, are you syndicating it uh, as um, grouping a cu- couple of people into what you require? Well, we have we have done mortgages. There are some people that have higher amounts, and then you have your accredited investors. And some some of the investors, uh, real estate investors out there, will only deal with accredited investors. Is that we have a variety of people. Some some people have smaller amounts. Some people have a higher amount. So yes, we have done mortgages before. So we've done more than one um, more than one person on there, and it could be a mixture of funds. Whether it's TFSA, RSP, some people may have cash. But again, it's just being able to get the funds that we need to buy the property that we want to do, bring value to that property, and then pay everybody back. And again, I want to stress that you have to pay everybody back. You don't borrow money and say, uh, I don't know when I'm going to pay you back, right? You have to have that plan in place so that you can actually um, pay them back. And that's all we do. We're just buying time is what we're doing, right? When we do this, we're just buying time. It allows us to do the work we need to do, all the prep work that needs to be done so that we can get that shovel in the ground and start building. So the other the other advantage of the strategy that we use is because we've built relationships, we have previously identified individuals who are willing to lend us money on projects and we always get them to commit to a specific project once we have a specific project, but we've got a general sense of people that might be willing to participate as a lender. So this allows us, when we see a property that we're interested in, we can generally know where the funding is going to come for us to do the acquisition. And basically what, I mean, the favorite story that I have is Denise and I went to see a a property. It was, it was in very, very poor condition. Uh, the gentleman that had been living in this house was elderly. His family lived at a distance. Um, he had run into hard times financially. Uh, the house was heated by an oil fired forced air furnace. We saw the place in March. He ran out of oil in October and hadn't had oil to heat the house all winter. Oh, wow. Oh, man. He also found it easier to throw the garbage in the living room rather than take it to the street on collection day. And kitchen and front hallway. Yes. So apparently he was still living in the house, but he was spending most of his time at a local McDonald's or a Tim Hortons trying to stay warm. And so we realized that this was a property. We valued it fairly. 
But because we knew where we were going to get the funds from in order to buy this using the private mortgage, using registered funds, we were able to do a very short closing, which Mm -hmm. his estate, his family was very pleased with because it got him out of the house and allowed them to relocate him down to where his daughter lived and have the funds in order to to set him up. I don't know whether he lived with her or, or whether they put him into a home, but the bottom line is because we knew where the funds were coming from, we were able to close quickly, which allowed us to get the deal. And we knew where the funds were coming because we had built relationships with people over time so that when we saw the house, Denise just made a couple of phone calls. Yeah, two calls. And people said, yeah, we're, we're part of that deal. Now, we did do an investor package to show them exactly what was going on before we got them to sign any commitment papers. But they trusted us enough and they knew our strategy, they knew our dealings, and they knew us well enough that they gave us the verbal commitment over the phone that they were going to be part of the deal. So within 10 minutes, 10 minutes from seeing the property, yeah, to be sitting in the realtor's office, we had the money and put in the offer and we got it. And I think we closed within two weeks. That's amazing. And yeah, and and, you know, it's so important because especially in this market, right? uh, Investors talk about lack of access to deals and all of this stuff, which is very real. But um, that that speed of execution is going to make the difference between you being able to do the deal or not do the deal, right? That that's probably one of the biggest factors that got you the deal. You you had access to the funds. Exactly. And plus, the uh, house is in such bad condition it wasn't worth even bringing an inspector in for the simple reason, uh, an inspector in, because we knew that we'd have to be demolishing the whole inside because it was in such bad condition. The other thing is, as Stuart mentioned, there was no heat in the house, but at some point, I think he must've turned the tap on in the bathroom upstairs and it dripped or drip to the point that when it froze, the kitchen had a um, probably ice drip that was probably about 14 to 16 inches wide of ice that was coming through the kitchen cupboard into the kitchen. There's a big ice color. <laughs> it was like, it was more like a, like a, I don't know. It's more than just an icicle. But the thing is, is we knew there was going to be some water damage and everything, right? So we knew there was going to be major renovations to be done. But yeah, so the thing is, again, we never advocate for people to go and buy a property without getting the proper inspection done, Right. But the thing is, it all depends, again, what the property is. And this one, we knew it was going to be major. So we were able to do it. And like I said, within 10 minutes, we we, were, we signed the offer and we we got it right away, actually. Uh, yeah, 100%. And you know what? Uh, the, you know, you can't go to a bank to get financing for these kinds of deals. So you have to have those relationships ahead of time. And, you know, basically make those couple of phone calls to have the financing in place, you know, so. So that's that's, what we uh, do is we help people, right? We help people understand how to build those relationships so that they can eventually borrow from those people. But it doesn't happen overnight. So, yes, some people start with family and friends. But then as you build that relationship, you have a you build that network that starts believing in you and that because you're able to offer them what you say you will offer them and give back what you say you're going to give back, then you develop that trust and they don't mind doing it again with you. You guys are doing so many different types of strategies. You're, uh, or I know from the past, you, you guys are doing flips. You guys are doing development, uh, the, these uh, registered funds and mortgages. What is right now kind of your... Uh, and your your I guess your favorite strategy uh, is it development and and how has that evolved you know since because of, you know the way the market is right now it is we've got we've got a yeah. number of development projects yes. on the go right yes. now yes we've got one property just east of Ottawa that we've actually got the foundation in it was a challenge getting that far but the foundation is in and so that the contractor is there starting to do the framing. So we're happy that that one's moving along. We've got a project in the west of Ottawa uh, that we're uh, very close to getting building permits for. Uh, there's the project that I mentioned where we're subdividing the, uh, the lot into three spots. And we're going to be building on that. Uh, later this month, we're closing on a piece of raw land. This, this is a, mm-hmm. a property, again, not far from our house. Uh, we're in the east of Ottawa. And this particular property used to have a triplex on it, but the triplex burned a number of years back. 
and the owner never rebuilt. So it's empty land. We're buying that. Again, we're going to be able to sever into three uh, lots. Uh, our plan is to build a uh, um, what here in Ottawa they call uh, long semis. That's where you've got a semi-detached with one unit in the front, one unit in the back. We're going to put secondary dwelling units on these, but instead of putting them in the basement like most people would, we're putting them on the top floor. Just because, because of the view they're going to get. <laughs> this, this particular property. Yeah is right on the edge of a ravine overlooking the Ottawa River. And so the people on the top floor are going to have a beautiful view across the Ottawa River of the Gatineau Hills. So we're planning to keep those as rental properties, and we know that we're going to be able to get a very good rent for those properties because they'll be highly desirable. So although we have a portfolio of already, like, you know, secondary dwelling units, which is usually what we have now, that we have, but because of the development, and that's where we have some that are, are developing or are being built right now. We have some that are planned for, for spring. We have some that are already planned for later this year. So that that's the process now is development. So you can only do so many. So even the property that Stuart just mentioned now, that's going to have to be built next year because we have many projects in, in the works for this year. So you can only do so much, you know, at a time. One thing, yeah, right? I know, I know. You guys are amazing, and I guess I want to know, you know, how how do you stay motivated? I mean, you guys are. I'm sure you could comfortably retire. Um, and you know, it, it's interesting because you're right. Like a lot of the investors start when they're younger, and you guys started later in your life. Uh, was there ever a specific goal to get to, or is it now just a matter of pushing yourself to continue to do more? I mean, I think it's remarkable, really. Well, I know for us, I mean, as, as well, we're retired from government, we're, we're already of retirement age, right? Which is when we started real estate. So as, as we kind of, somebody actually said that to us and I liked it that we use it now. He says, okay, he says, you guys are Zoomers, which basically is just boomers with a lot of zip. And it's true. We have <laughs> a lot of energy, you know, from where we are in life now is just that there is still so much to accomplish. So many people we still want to help so many projects we still want to do. And I plan on living past 100, really. So <laughs> for me, it's like, okay, what else can we do? And and we do lead, maybe call it a busy life, but it allows us to do a whole lot of stuff as well. A little less right now because of COVID, but we do have, you know, family living overseas in the States and stuff like that, which we love to travel, but, um, you know, all in due course. But yes, um, all I can say is we come from good genes, I guess, is, is probably yeah. what it is. Our, our parents lived uh, actually quite late uh, in life. But yeah, we we just keep busy. Like I said, we, we do our real estate events. We've been doing that for many, many, many years, probably at least 10 years that we do regular real estate events. And like even right now, our networking is every fourth Monday of the month. We just bring real estate investors together. They get to ask questions. And we've got newbies as well as seasoned investors. And it's not a pitch fest. All it is, is real estate investors helping other real estate investors. That's all we do. And because of COVID, we're able to do it through Zoom. So now we've got people right across Canada. We used to do networking events locally in Ottawa at a restaurant. We used to do breakfast meetings. Now our breakfast meetings, we take them online. And our breakfast meetings are still Saturday mornings when we do them, right? Because that was when we offered them when we were live. So there's different things that we offer. So we offer that, like we have our own projects we work on. Um, we do our mortgages. Uh, it's just, like I said, life gets busy and 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 we have the energy to do it. So we it seems do. like you, you guys are, are, you know, too busy having fun. And that's what keeps you young. Yeah. Well, it's actually funny yeah. because, I mean, we, we've got some volunteer work as well. And that's right. I, I got recruited because of our, our work in real estate uh, to sit on the board of a nonprofit senior housing initiative here in town. And shortly after being elected to the board, the board met to decide officers and decided that I should be the president. So I'm the president of a nonprofit housing oh, initiative. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. It was everything else. So it's, it's, it's always interesting as, as I, I once said to somebody, you know, I'd rather burn out than rust out. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's funny you say that. Cause we have a, we have a contractor who helps us 
in, in an area that we manage properties and he's 88 and, uh, you know, just, just constantly like, you got anything else for me going on today? Like if I call him, he's like, yep, I'm going to go right now. And, uh, you know, he, he says the same thing to me. He says, Hey, like, listen, I, I, this keeps, this is, this is the best part of my day. Like this gets me out. This keeps me going. Right. And, and I think that you, what everything that you guys said, and this is why we love real estate is because of the community It's such an amazing community. And, you know, even when we put anything online or we post things, we get so much support from our fellow real estate investors, what, no matter what it is. Um, and it's such, it's such an amazing feeling. Like these people actually have become our friends and our network and the people we call when we have issues for whatever reason. And, and there's always so much support. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that I'm hearing the same thing from you guys too. Like a lot of this community and the events and that being able to help people and give back. And I mean, that's really what keeps keeps you going, right? It's it's not just about the business side of it. Well, exactly. I mean, we could sit back and twiddle our thumbs and watch TV all day long if we wanted to, right? Because we're finished working for the government. We've had a career, you know. Um, I, I used to teach way back when, so which is why I still enjoy teaching now, which is why we developed that that course to help other people. But the thing is, is, you know, a lot of times and people have to realize that sometimes you're tested not to show your weaknesses, but to actually show your strengths. And 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 this is where, you know, like I said, it's it may be hard, but hard does not mean impossible. It just means get out of your comfort zone and find a way to get it done. And th- this is why, like, personally, I like to read books about success and motivation and, you know, like that type of stuff. I enjoy that. And that keeps me fed, basically, in terms of just continuing and be able to help people even more. Yeah, for sure. And before we sort of wrap up for the day, I wanted to ask you, going back to all of that, what's your... What's the one quote that you you live by or something that really uh, touches or reaches home for you guys? Maybe you guys have separate ones. <laughs> we, pro- I mean, there are so many. Like, I love quotes. One of these days, I think I'll have just a book of quotes. But one of the <laughs> ones, and again, probably because of what happens through life and everything, but one of the favorite ones that always, always at the forefront of my mind is tough times never last, but tough people do. And this was a quote by Robert H. Schuler, who was the minister of the Crystal Cathedral out in California. And whenever I heard that quote, that has helped me so much throughout all of my life, right? Tough times never last, but tough people do. I love that and I live by that. And a second one that I love is feel the fear and do it anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah, I know that's that. It totally applies to your development. Yeah, that has a lot of it is. It is a it is scary, scary right? <laughs> development, yeah. And I mean, when I when I run across people that, that complain about their past and say that it's limiting them, one of the favorite lines I heard was, "Quit wasting time worrying, uh, wishing for a better yesterday." Yeah, you yeah, you guys inspire me so much and and uh, you know, going back to this course before we wrap up, I remember I think it was 6 years ago or so that we actually called you guys and said, "Hey, Denise and Stuart, can you teach us about RRSP mortgages?" It maybe it was seven, like it was early on when you guys were just I remember this call and you guys were like, "We're not there yet, but we're j- we're going to be developing a course." Yeah. <laughs> And so now this course is here. So I would highly recommend anybody to go and check it out because if I if we had if you had had a course back there then and we had taken that course, hey, like our trajectory could have been very different. And I, I we are definitely going to be looking more into this because I think that if you have access to capital and you're educated, then the you know. There's unlimited, the yeah, yeah, the sky's the limit, right? And it's, it, again, like you said, it, it's it's about perspective and understanding that it's not about uh, raising capital and squeezing people out of their money or anything like that. It's about creating real win-win situations for people where they also are benefiting immensely from secured investments and working with people who are credible and, and are doing amazing things um, for their communities. So... Uh, yeah, you guys are you guys are great, so inspirational, and uh, we continue to learn from you guys. Oh no, thanks. And, and you're right when we said, yeah, we're developing a course. It took a long time, 
only because I think we we just needed to have the right focus of, on how to put it together. And when we finally got that focus of how it needed to be put together is when it finally kicked off and we've had some great success with it. And some of the people hesitated, oh, you know, I've already been a borrower and lender. I, I probably don't need to take it. And I remember a friend and um, she knew that we've done mortgages, right? Like she, she knows this. This is how she knows how we grow our real estate. Yeah, I'm already a lender and a borrower. And I mentioned something about not having to pay broker fees. She goes, what? And I said, I don't go through a mortgage broker because I do my own mortgages. What do you mean? And she says, I just went through a mortgage broker and I paid 1%, which was great because not all mortgage brokers only charge 1%. We we hear of people paying from 1% to 7% on private mortgages when they go through a mortgage broker. So depending on who they're with, she says, I just did a $500,000 first mortgage. She says, I paid $5,000 as a fee. She says, you mean to say I would not have had to pay that fee? And I go... Yeah, because remember, right now, this is an unregulated industry. So as long as you're doing your own mortgage, you can do your own mortgage. And she says, sign me up. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. again, and even the first night, even though we didn't talk about that, we just talked about the rules and what you can use, how you can use these funds and whatnot. She called me at the end of the night. She's a friend. Called me personally. She says, you blew me away after that very first class. And I said, good. And again, <laughs> people don't know what they don't know. 100%. 100%. So we can, we'll put it in our show notes, but it's accessunlimitedfunds.ca. Exactly. And Denise yeah, and this is actually a masterclass. This is where they can find out about how we use it, how they could uh, possibly use it. And that's just sort of an information. That masterclass, okay, yes. And if people want to get directly in touch, um, is there a best method to contact you? We'll put it in our show notes as well. Yeah, the, um, our email would be info at Denise and Stewart, and that's S-T-U-A-R-T dot C-A. So okay, Denise fantastic. and Stewart. We'll put that in the show notes too. And yeah, and that's Denise where and we are on are... Facebook as well, just Denise and Stewart. That's how people can find us there as well. We're on Instagram. We're not uh, big on Instagram, but we do have a presence there. So they can find us there too. Yeah, Denise and Stuart, uh, you guys are an incredible couple. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for being on our show. Um, we got so much value and our listeners will as well. Uh, so really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having us because this has been wonderful to connect again. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And nice talking with you. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.